here we go. Welcome back to Passions Podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Latara. I'm Laura. And again, we remember to introduce ourselves. It's like twice in a row. That's a high five you just heard. We high fived ourselves. I might might cut it out. I probably won't. Okay. All right. So, uh, hey everybody, we're watching Passions. Remember, we have a format change, so we're still trying that because nobody told us they hated it yet. Right. So, um, we're doing two episodes. Yeah. Per episode now. Right. So the. <laughs> yeah. Two episodes per episode. <laughs> oh no, I'm losing it. That's okay. Episode ten of Passions, but yeah. episode nine of the podcast. Of the podcast, exactly. All right. So we're doing episodes ten and eleven now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I'm not good with numbers. Uh, I'm already you, struggling. You really are not. <laughs> I, you know what's crazy is I thought I was bad at numbers, but the other day, <laughs> I was like, it's 28 cents, and you were like, that's like 12 cents a piece. I was like, bitch, 14. <laughs> I'm really bad with numbers. Yeah. In my defense, I switch them around. Yeah, you have dyscalculia. I think I, I really, truly think I do, but I also haven't taken a math class since my junior year in high school or a science class. Oh, right. Because I didn't have to in college, and so I, uh, I just have never had a reason to be diagnosed for it. I failed two math classes in college. The, I failed the same math class twice, <laughs> finally just decided to take the F and take dumb math. For my math credit. Oh. Yeah, I was able to take, like, the the lowest level math for my la- math credit, which they changed. At first, you had to take college algebra, and then they changed it to you could take, like, this. I guess because so many people were failing. <laughs> Maybe they should have looked at the curriculum and the professor. If that if that many people are failing, yeah, there's a reason. Maybe, but I failed it twice. Two different professors. Oh, well. But the second time, I did I take it gonna... online, which okay. was so stupid. I, okay. I'll never take another. That, I know you're kidding. I know I'm not dumb, girl. Now, I mean, <laughs> sometimes I can be a little. Anyway, we've, we've, we're, we're, we're wasting your time, but you like it. All, all 20 of you. All 20 listeners. All right. So let's, let's get into passion. Where are we going to start today? Episode 10. I don't know where to we start, start today. With, let's start with Sheridan, right? Because at the end of episode 9... Yeah, yeah Mimi was on the balcony waiting for Sheridan to, to come talk to her. So, yeah, so let's start in Paris. Let's start in Paris. Let's start in Paris. Because there's a lot of there's actually a lot of interesting things going on in Paris. Yeah, finally. Yeah, finally. Finally. We well, we're finally getting to see what Jean Luc is kind of up to. Yeah, and we finally get to see Mimi act with a partner on screen for ten seconds. It for lo- all of ten seconds. This poor woman is just constantly alone. In a scene. Yeah. She never has a partner. Mimi is trying to lure Sheridan out to the balcony so she can confront her about Jean-Luc. But before that happens, basically, Jean-Luc intercepts Mimi outside because, because Sheridan can't figure out how to open the door. How to open the door, yeah. So Jean-Luc has left the table to take a phone call, mm-hmm. right? And I guess he sees Mimi... They don't show what ha- how that happens. Yeah, but and I don't. It's crazy to me that he gets to her before Sheridan does. I I just I don't know. I just it just doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah. whatever. He locks Mimi in a closet. Yeah, there's another door because the waiter comes up to Sheridan because she really she she and Mimi are like looking at each other and like mouthing at each at other a ac- door. across the glass, but they can't figure out the door. And the waiter's like, "Oh yeah, that one's locked. You have to take the other one." So Jean Luc must have just been closer. 
to whatever door that was because he like took that phone call. Right. I don't know. Right. I mean, that's the least interesting part. The most interesting part is the phone call because we discover that Jean-Luc is on the phone with a mysterious Frenchman whose some, name we do not know. Some mysterious man who sat, seems like a pretty bad guy, right? He's wrapped up in some things mm-hmm. and we find out that he's maybe some sort of drug lord, drug kingpin, or we they're, they're wrapped up in drug related activity. Yes. He says to Jean-Luc that that he has a misunderstanding of how the drug trade works and he demands an in-person meeting to get his money back. So Jean-Luc owes this man money. I guess a large sum of money. We don't, we don't know the ins and outs yet. And he says, my, my new family will protect me. They're rich and they're powerful and you can't touch me anymore. Right. They, he basically is banking on Sheridan to protect him, but she doesn't know anything about what he does. No. So I, I mean, and also it's laughable. He clearly does not know the cranes. These people don't care about Sheridan. You think they're going to care about you? Right. They will let you die. They do not care about you. I mean, we saw Alistair for all of 10 minutes in an episode or two, and he doesn't, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't they don't, care. They will let him, they do not care. No. No. Couldn't care less. Uh, could not care any less. So he owes this drug man money. Mm-hmm. And he gets out to the terrace, puts what, what's her name? Mimi, Mimi in the in closet. The closet. Sheridan <laughs> gets out to the terrace and says, well, Jean-Luc, there was a woman out here where did she go did you see a woman no i did not see anyone out here that's my french you like my french accent i did not see anyone i did not see anyone out here (laughs) nobody has been no one has been on les paris it's not as good as your goofy (laughs) (laughs) not as good as goofy my accent my accent it's so good my goofy's it's top notch man oh goodness (laughs) but <laughs> yeah, so that all happens. Let's that all happens, and Jean Luc. I'm just gonna kind of wrap Paris up. Yeah, Jean- that's Jean- what I was gonna say. Let's finish this. Yeah, so Jean Luc convinces Sheridan that he should take her to his country home. This is all a ruse. It's just an effort for him to get out of Paris and avoid this mysterious man who wants his drug money. And Sheridan's all excited about it. Oh, that's a wonderful idea. Blah, 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 blah. And I think she goes to her place to pack her things. She, she had to. And he goes to his place to pack his things. And while he is at his apartment, the mysterious dude shows up with a henchman and confronts yeah. him. Well, isn't that mysterious dude there when he gets there? Yeah, they're yeah. waiting in his they're apartment They're waiting for him, for him there. Mm-hmm. So they, they, he comes in, they grab him. And they say that he better pay up or he's going to kill Jean-Luc and, and Sheridan. Sheridan. Yeah, he Meanwhile, says, I'll, I don't care about your family. I'll kill anyone who gets in my way, including her. So, oof. Mm. Meanwhile, Sheridan is at her apartment and she's like looking out the window, basically praying to oh Princess Diana. <laughs> oh my God. Watch over me, Diana. <laughs> she's, and then, oh, it, it just is, I I'm sorry, I do not like Sheridan Crane. She's a she's an annoying character. She doesn't make any sense. Watch over me, Diana. And then she basically says, if I make it through this one night, I'll have love forever. I have a feeling that if I make it through this one night, I'll have love forever. What are you talking about? It's really pathetic. The, the character that they have created in Sheridan thus far is lacking. It just she it just doesn't make any sense. It's illogical. Mm. If you make it through this, what about this night is so important, right? Versus tomorrow night. I versus don't... the night after that. Yeah. Also, 
what about the fact that a woman was looking for you specifically, was out on the terrace, 10 seconds later, she was not there, but Jean-Luc was. Mm. That's suspicious at best. At its best. At worst, he's a murderer. Right, yeah. Like, he, he threw, threw her off the roof. He threw a woman off the terrace. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so I just, I don't understand Sheridan. I can't relate to her in any way at all. I don't know if other women in like 1999, the women who were watching this show, because I feel like she's the character that they try to make the the character that people aspire to be. Yeah. She's rich, she's beautiful, and you know, but she's she doesn't, not sort of a tragic figure. But, but she doesn't do anything. She's just beautiful and sad. But that's my point. Why would... I don't know. It just is so two-dimensional and it's so flat it's annoying because the other characters so far have a lot more going on the other women when they talk most of the times i think i mentioned this before they pass the bechtel test yeah. they have, they're interesting multi-dimensional characters they have things going on in their lives they have careers they have families yeah like get a love. job they, sheridan you know they're setting up carnival like they're like they all are aspiring and working to accomplish goals even little Teresa, who is just, like, madly and wildly in love and kind of living in this fantasy world. But every, everybody has something going on except Sheridan. Like, she's really... there's She's just she's boring. She's flat. She's so flat and boring. She's, yeah. like, plain, plain oatmeal. I need some stuff to happen. I, I, need, I need her, her to, to... I need her to get some, some raisins and some brown sugar or something put in that oatmeal because she's... So plain. Mm, milk I, toast. She is milk toast, as my mother would say. <laughs> that girl is milk toast. I don't really know what that means. I don't, I milk, I don't know what milk toast is. I don't know. I've heard it, though. It's in. They say it in uh, Madame Butterfly, don't they? Do they? At the very beginning, Sharpless and uh, Pinkerton offer Sharpless milk toast at one point. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. I don't know. Anyway. For those who don't know, we're talking about the opera, Madame Butterfly. Yeah. It's a, a great opera. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it or listened to it, you absolutely mm-hmm. should. It's astoundingly heartbreaking and beautiful. Yeah. Spoiler alert, <clears throat> she dies. It is an opera. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> Maybe cut out the spoiler alert for, like, first-time opera l- listeners. Uh, it's, Come on. It's, it's a hundred... It's over a hundred years old. But the first old. time you saw it... I was 10. So maybe 10-year-olds listen to this podcast. They should not be. No, there's an explicit warning. Yeah, no. You shouldn't listen if you're 10. Yeah. Turn it off. And I wish I wish somebody had told me she died. I was devastated. You know what? We're going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to move on. Let's go to the carnival that's happening in Harmony. Yes, 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 yes. Let's get to down to it. So back in Harmony, Tabitha is still causing all kinds of trouble. Tabitha. So Eve is in the tent. Yes. Because she was, that's where we left off at the carnival. Eve and Tabitha were having at it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that really good scene. Yeah, and Tabitha had told Eve, I know what you did all those years ago outside of town. How would TC feel if he knew that you had been playing him for a fool all of these years? Mm. Do, and then she says, do you, at the beginning of this episode, she says to Eve, do you want to hear your horrible secret? Do you want me to tell you? And then Eve yells, no! And runs out of the tents. Oh <laughs> she oh. runs out of the tents. It was epic, really. It was so it was, dramatic. It was so dramatic and 
pure melodrama. Oh, it's great. I love it. It's pure soap opera. I Eve love is it. really excellent. Eve and Tabitha. You know, Eve really reminds me of Vanessa Williams. She kind of looks like Van- oh, Vanessa Williams. I can Williams see that a little. Yeah. They're both gorgeous. Yeah. She could be Vanessa Williams' sister. They, 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 again, this whole cast. They're so good looking. They're so good looking. They're all so freaking good looking. Soap operas. Oh, man. So, yeah, Eve runs out of the tent. She bumps into T. She finally... She, actually, she's walking through the carnival, and T.C. sees her, and she, but she doesn't notice him walking towards her, mm. and she kind of walks past him, and he says, whoa, you, you're you not going to speak to your husband? Yeah, I think... But she, because she was in such a fog from whatever this horrible secret yeah. that she's worried is going to be exposed... But I think TC thought that maybe she was giving him the cold shoulder because she was upset that he had barked at her earlier. About his leg, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so he actually takes this opportunity to apologize for snapping at her. Yeah. And he says a lot of really lovely things. These husbands are devoted to their wives. Like, Sam and TC have done nothing but build their wives up this entire time. It's kind of amazing, really. It's nice. Yeah, but, it's, but these soap operas are for women. Right. So, they of have, The men have to be great. Yeah. You know? Or they're Jean-Luc and we're just the men hating have on to, them. The men have to be either great or fucking terrible. Yeah, like Like, it's got to be a villains. man you love or a man you hate. Yeah, there's no in between. Somewhere, yeah. But TC apologizes. He tells Eve that she's the rock of the family. Says that she's never disappointed him. He knows that she would never hurt him. And basically that, of course, makes her feel guilty because we don't know the secret, but she's she's carrying on something. We don't know the secret, but we definitely know that it's got to do with TC. And mm. she does not want it to come out. Mm. It, we know it's horrible, whatever it is. All right. Let, oh, let's go to the secret. Yes. <laughs> the Bennetts. So Charity and the Seeker, who's looking for Grace, Grace's long-lost twin, Seeker, show up at Harmony's Carnival. But guess who else shows up at Harmony's Carnival? Grace. Grace. Because remember, Sam had taken Grace home to lie down um, for a little while after something had happened. Oh, after the thing with the twin and she said she had seen the little girl again. Mm -hmm. Well, Grace comes back to the carnival. So now we've got Seeker and Grace at the same carnival. And as predicted, hijinks ensue. Yes. Right? So the first thing that happens is that Miguel, Mignel. Mignel. I'm, the, I'm always going to say Mignel now because that stupid sign in like episode one. Mignel <laughs> bumps into Grace. Well, I'm he not Grace, thinks it's sorry. Grace. He bumps into who he thinks is Grace, bumps into Seeker, and he says, hey, how you doing? And, and then the thing is, though, this is what got me, and this is why it's just pure hijinks. When you bump into somebody you know at a fair, or especially an adult when you were a kid, wouldn't you say, like, oh, hey, Miss Bennett? Yeah, I think you would probably use their name. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't just be say, oh, hey, how you doing? I mean, I can I can kind of see it going that way, like, but you would really have to bump into them. This was like, he approached her, and in that case, I would definitely think, oh, hi, I'm just thinking of a childhood friend. Hi, Mrs. Hershey. How are you? Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. Now, I, now it's different. I'm an adult, but. I, I mean, I still I have a weird, hard time not calling adults by like Mr. and Mrs. Oh, no, I'm rude. As an adult. I, I don't know if it's rude, really, but I'm just like, I'm 32. Especially, <laughs> especially people I grew up with. Hmm. Like, I would never call. Like, my friend Colby, her grandma was Miss Miss Whiteside. I would literally never call her by her first name. I couldn't tell you what it is. Mm. 
Anyway, I'm just th- I'm just thinking. There's there's just some people. Yeah. There's just some people that will always be like my high school choir teacher. Her name's Nashawn Calloway. Mm-hmm. I would never call her Nashawn. Other people do, but I just but you couldn't don't. do it. <laughs> Interesting. I wonder if that's like a regional thing because we. I mean, I don't know. Some know. of my friends do, but I, I think it probably is kind of regional. Mm-hmm. I'm from the south. I'm from the Midwest, yeah. and then well, and once I went to conservatory was out on the east coast and everybody called their professors by their first name which is insane to me too yeah and then when i moved back to the midwest for grad school then everybody called them professor or doctor so and so i had a hard time calling kevin kevin oh i always call him kevin hi kevin shout out to kevin (laughs) (laughs) the greatest pianist like in the midwest seriously yeah okay we've taken we've taken too much time with this Where are, what are we? we talking about? What are we talking about in the story? We are getting way off track here. Okay, Seeker and Charity Seeker. show up yeah, to the carnival. carnival. Oh, and Miguel runs into Seeker, thinks that it's Grace. They don't. He tries to say hi. She says hi, but it's awkward. And then he, like, turns around to keep walking and runs into Charity. Oh, yeah. And Sparks fly. Oh, one call him Sparks. <laughs> well. <laughs> she, she bumps into him. And not spilt. She spills her drink on him, yeah. and that's a theme in this show. Yeah, that's how you know people are gonna fall in love. They spill their pop on each pill, other. Pill. You have to spill something on them. <laughs> but she spills her drink on him. He's like, it's just a shirt, and he's really taken by her. Yeah. So they have a little moment, and Charity moves on and goes back to her mom, and her mom says, you know, these people are really nice because <laughs> everybody keeps. <laughs> She's one of the organizers because of the they carnival. think that she's Grace Bennett, the town saint. Oh, also worth mentioning, Charity decides to buy her mother a teacher, a teacher, a T-shirt with her name on it. But instead of using her real name, she's like, "Why don't we use the chat room name?" The seeker. Yeah, I so wrote she gets about her, this. She gets her mother a T-shirt with the word "seeker" on it. I wrote about this. I said Sam tells Grace about the chat room because he hadn't told her about it, right? Right. And um. <laughs> Tells her that someone named Seeker may know who she is. And the very next scene is Charity giving that t-shirt made with (laughs) Seeker on it. How ridiculous. And then they cut back to Sam and Grace talking. And Seeker and Charity walk literally behind them, like carrying the t-shirt. And Grace and Sam are like embracing their, he's hugging her. And she goes, oh, I have such a weird sensation. I got chills. I don't, he's, are you cold? She's like, not exactly cold. I just, I feel something. Yeah. <laughs> it's so heavy handed. It, it, it's so it's heavy-handed. not subtle. I can That's tell you that. That's not the first time that happens either, because at one point, when Ethan and Gwen are talking about their fortunes, mm. and Gwen's fortune was... Oh, yeah! Gwen's fortune! Gwen's <laughs> fortune was... Your love is threatened by someone close by. Yeah, and Teresa <laughs> was standing directly behind them, staring at them. She was, like, a safe, socially distant six feet away. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah, so that was that was hilarious. It's Again, it's just so heavy-handed, mm. you know? I but like I love it. it. Yeah. No, I, I love it. It's just, 
it's to the point. It's just right <laughs> to the point. There's there's no real intrigue. You know what's going yeah. on. You know what's happening. You know what's going on. Yeah. So Grace gets really upset by her fortune. Not Grace. Sorry. Gwen. Gwen gets really upset by her fortune. Your love is threatened by someone close by. She gets... She's... I mean, remember, for two days, we've seen these characters go to different locations to make out and then argue about the same thing. She wants to be engaged to Ethan. Ethan does not want to be engaged to Gwen, at least not right now. And so um, he actually says to, to Gwen, he's like, you know, I suspect that you were not crying out of joy for Sheridan's engagement. I think you're crying because you're... Um, jealous or upset that we are not yeah. engaged to be No, married. he said, I think part of the reason you're crying, crying is because you feel like you might lose me. Oh. That's what he said. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he's not wrong because Gwen says, well, you never know what is around the corner. Or, or who? <laughs> Teresa Lopez Fitzgerald <laughs> is, is around, right the, around corner. the corner. And um, actually, before we get into Teresa, because we have to talk about Teresa and Tabitha's a little bit. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, we need to finish up with Grace, because the Russells run into Sam and Grace mm-hmm. and question her about what Miguel, Miguel, because Miguel had run into them and said, yeah, I saw Miss Bennett, but she, she, was she seemed a little funny. odd. And so they kind of said, well, Miguel said that you were acting a little odd. And Grace says to them, I haven't seen Miguel since the fire at the Burger Hut earlier. Mm. And so then everybody kind of looks concerned. Because everybody thinks Grace has lost her mind. But <laughs> poor, she hasn't. Poor Grace seems to have come undone. She, ha- According to everyone around her, she has come undone. But she's, but only she's actually all together. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Poor Grace. Yeah, poor Grace. But let's let's move to Teresa and Tabitha. Yes. I loved, I loved this oh so much. Gosh. It was so fun. It was so funny. It was, to me anyway. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. No, I, anything Tabitha and Timmy, I'm here for. I mean, they are, they are everything. They are everything. Yeah. They're they a high five. They give like an air high five across <laughs> the table. I loved it. So, so Teresa is lured back into Tabitha's tent. She's not Lord. She goes right on in. Well, Tabitha's standing outside, and she she says to her, they they talk first. Oh, that's true. And, right? And she yeah. says, like, well, I know Whitney's mom told us that you're a fraud, mm. and you really don't know anything. And she said, Tabitha says, are you sure about that? Basically. Right. And she kind of, she does. She kind of lures her back yeah. in. Yeah. And it's one of those, let me tell you something about you that only you know, and that will prove that I can see into the future. Right. So so Teresa comes back into the tent, and Tabitha starts giving her another reading, and she says in her crystal ball that she can see Teresa with a spoon dripping with caviar in a mansion in a lavender dress. And Teresa was very concerned about what kind of dress, <laughs> dress it was. There was so much dialogue what? devoted to the dress. And there was so much. Oh, well, what color is it? Lavender. Great. I love lavender. What's the uh, fabric? Oh, it's a shiny satin. Is it satin? I love satin. What about the neckline? Is it too conservative? Like, <laughs> what, what the fuck? What do you... Why are you so worried about this one dress? So many details about this dress. I mean, I think it just, they're just trying to show us that, like, she's really into fashion. I guess, I guess that's Or the really point. materialistic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that's one way, too. I mean, there's also the caviar in the mansion. I think it's really just an immaturity thing. I mean, she's a teenager. Oh, uh, well, Tabitha <clears throat> also tells her that she sees 
that Teresa's in a mansion. And Teresa says, well, I'm probably the, I'm probably a servant. Right. right? And, and Tabitha's like, no, oh, you're, you're not a servant. You're surrounded by servants. Yeah, you get one of your servants is pouring you a drink. And this servant is, like, cleaning up after you. And so Teresa's really excited about this, right? And then Tabitha tells her she sees her writing something. Yeah, she's in, the like, the library, I think. Of the mansion. Of the mansion. And she's going to sign an important document with her married name. Yeah, she says, you're writing your name. It's your married name. And Teresa jumps up out of her seat. Well, what is it? What's my married name? You have to tell me. Let me see. It begins with the letter C. That's a great witch. Was it good? Yeah, it was better than mine. Oh, good. I never do a I'm witch gonna, I play a lot of witches. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never a good character. It begins with the letter C. And then she basically eventually does tell her, it's C-R-A-N-E, Crane. Crane. So Tabitha tells her, you're going to marry a crane. A crane. But they she don't... doesn't say which one. To... And I'm like, is she going to marry Alistair? I don't know. Yes, you do. <laughs> Those hard nose and she won't tell me. I only know a little bit. I have to find out. No, I definitely know. But, <laughs> but they don't tell you which one or, yeah, so... So Teresa's super excited because, of course, to her that means I'm gonna marry Ethan Crane. Of course, but yeah. also Tabitha, it it we it really could be Ethan because Tabitha doesn't say what I just said, which is like they don't tell you which one. Right. She says to Timmy, "Well, she's gonna she's gonna have to make a lot of choices, mm-hmm. hard choices that are gonna hurt a lot of people." Yeah, because Timmy is basically like, "I thought you did this to like give people bad news, and here you are giving people good news." And she, and Tabitha is like, "Well, that's that's not necessarily good news. Her fantasy life is not going to be easy, and she's gonna be a tornado sweeping through the town." So mm-hmm. Teresa is single handedly going to level the town of Harmony, USA. Yep. I mean, she's a walking catastrophe. She really is. <laughs> The barbecue sauce. The barbecue sauce. The, the, paint. the paint. She burned she down <laughs> the burger hut. She burned down an an establishment. <laughs> okay, in this town. Oh so, my god! And she's only what seventeen? Something like she's that. Got years to do more and more damage. Poor girl's a mess. That that storm's only just begun. Begun to mature. Just just brewing. Yeah. Um. Let's quickly go back to Ethan and Gwen. She's really upset mm-hmm. and. He doesn't know what to do, and so Ethan calls his Aunt Sheridan for advice. And she tells him that he's basically being a coward, and the way to fix this is by asking Gwen to marry him, like, immediately. Immediately. Which, hear me out. If my nephew called me, he had a girlfriend that he loved but didn't want to marry, and didn't want to get married necessarily, Mm -hmm. and wasn't, I would not pressure him to propose to her no i would pressure him to be honest yeah exactly which he has been with her yeah you know i would just tell him so to me sheridan is not being a good aunt she's not being a good friend she to to ethan she's being more of a friend to gwen than she is to her own family Mm. in my opinion i just think i just feel like it's wrong to pressure anyone let alone your own family, into a decision, a major life decision that they don't want to make, like yeah. that they don't want to do. I mean, look, it's a commitment, and if you're not ready to make that commitment, then you shouldn't, because then you're, you are building, you're trying to build a partnership and a foundation on something that isn't real. It's not real. And it won't, and therefore it will never work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't know. I just think 
that I to me that was kind of gross and weird. No, I didn't. I didn't, I like didn't it. care for it. I didn't care for it either. I um I only noted it because I thought it was kind of terrible. And then also Sheridan is talking to Ethan about Jean Luc. And says, uh, oh, I don't really know what he does. Something in import and exports. Oh but my God. I don't have a head for these things. Ugh, I, I mean, her. Sheridan. She's not she's smart. She's getting worse and worse. She's not smart. She's not savvy in any way. She's not interesting in any way. I hate Sheridan Crane. <laughs> I don't. I hate those cranes. Hate right them. now, I'm with I Luis. Do. I, I hate, hate those, those cranes. cranes. That's that's true. I because I don't like Ethan very much oh, either. I'm with Luis. I, I can't stop seeing him as that character from Always Sunny now. Who? Ethan. Oh, Ethan. Oh my gosh! Every time I look at him, I just think of that that soldier the with like soldier. the long jean ben. shorts. Ben's ben. Ben. Ben with the long ben jean the soldier. shorts. <laughs> His desert rose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so silly. You should watch Always Sunny if you haven't watched oh, that either. Gosh. Although it's not for everybody, I don't think. No, it's not for everybody, but it is for it me. It is funny if you like it, though. All right. Well, let's finish this. We got one last thing to talk about, and that's Tabitha's Crystal Ball. Ooh. I forgot. How did I forget? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. At the, to- at the very end of this ap- episode, Tabitha's looking into her crystal ball, and then it starts to get darker and darker and cloudy. murkier and murkier cloudy it's like green cloud i mean it it looks like the green ghost from uh ghostbusters <laughs> <laughs> on the inside of her crystal ball yeah she gets this like green cloud and it's getting dark and she says why is my why is my crystal ball doing this what what's happening timmy goes you're not doing that and she goes no i am not and timmy says Timmy's scared, Tabitha. And Tabitha says, I am too. <laughs> Tabitha. Some, so someone more powerful than Tabitha is messing with Tabitha. Yeah, they're entering the picture. Yeah, and the smoke and, starts to like leave the crystal ball. It starts to like filter out yeah, into the And tent. I don't think that that's good smoke. I don't think that's like related to the angel. No. Tabitha, Tabitha doesn't seem afraid of like light power or whatever, mm-hmm. but I think it's just darker power than what Tabitha has. Yeah. And th- it's scaring her. I which mean, is so exciting. I know that Tabitha and Timmy are like the villains right now, but they are so carefree and light. Like they are the least evil villains I've ever seen. Well, you know, I was thinking about this. I don't, to me, I was thinking, oh, I'm glad you said that. They're not the villains, right? They're mm-hmm. not actually villains because th- she's exposing people's secrets. Right. She's exposing people's wrongdoings. She's exposing things. And yes, it, she's making things unsettled around Harmony, but she didn't do the horrible thing, right? Well, she's bringing it to light. It's like but but if you did something that was stealing their really, souls well, who said that she was going to... Well, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. We were introduced right. to her you got like, to believe that she was a villain. I don't know. I still was thinking about it. I, the way I think about it is that they're not all innocent angels either, mm. right? Who is? Yeah, I guess that's true. But I guess that's part of the point, you know? Yeah, that's true. All right. So we will be back with episode 11 after this short break. Enjoy it. We just You're watched back. episode 11, right? Yeah, 11. 11. 11. And of course, we start in fucking Paris. We start in Paris. Every episode. Paris, France. 
Sorry, so fucking. I am so tired of. I'm over it. I'm so tired of her. I'm over her. I'm over John Luke. I hope they. I'm I'm on Mimi's side. I oh, one hundred percent. I'm rooting for the goons and Mimi. One hundred percent. I yeah. So we start with Sheridan and Jean Luc. I'm yawning just thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah, the goon and the mysterious Frenchman get their money from Jean Luc. They're in his apartment, and this moron has his money stored in the most conspicuous place I've ever seen. They lift up the top of his of his coffee table, and there's just stacks of bills in it. Yeah. It was... It's not a great hiding spot. <sighs> whatever. I'm whatever. Whatever. So, <laughs> let's just get through it. I'm very tired of these people. <laughs> I'm so tired of um, them. <laughs> yeah, and Jean-Luc is like, oh, Sheridan doesn't know you. She doesn't know anything about the business. She doesn't know anything about your name. Right. Like, you don't have to threaten her or touch her. Like, this is it. We're cutting ties right now, yeah. and this... Bygones be bygones. He says, Sheridan doesn't know who you are. Drug boss is like, okay. Opens the door to leave. And Sheridan is on the other side of the door. God damn it, Sheridan. Just just <laughs> pathetic Just Sheridan. in the worst place possible. And then she like wants to meet these people. Because she's like, oh my God, friends of Jean-Luc. I've never met anyone oh, yeah. who knows he bring, He like hurries her inside. And she says, he, he says, well, I'm almost done packing and then we can go. And she says to him, well, you haven't introduced me, Jean-Luc. Oh, my God. Yeah. Meanwhile, the mysterious Frenchman and his goon are hiding in the hallway behind a plastic ficus. Yeah. They go, <laughs> they go out. They find, they, when they go out, they go into the hallway and they hide behind a plastic plant. Yeah. Observing. He, the boss says, Jean-Luc. And Sheridan have to die tonight. He said, unfortunately, the lady saw my face. She's got to die. She's out. So he sends his goons to follow Jean-Luc and Sheridan out into the country. But you know who else is following them out into the country? Mimi! Mimi. And I don't think she's ever going to have her time with them. No. I don't think she's ever going to get... I doubt it. And it's it's actually very frustrating. I actually... I don't know if this was on purpose, but I definitely feel as frustrated as Mimi. Like, I'm very, I feel very frustrated with her situation. Yeah, I certainly on her behalf, I'm just like, is this woman ever going to get FaceTime with anybody? With, with, yeah, with anyone, really. She talked to that random waiter. Yeah. Who seemed really interested in the, the whole situation. He tried to stop her from going. Yeah, he's like, oh, I can't remember where they went, but it something about the country. Oh, but you can't go. I should have never said anything. Yeah, I never should have said It was like, who can, you don't know yeah. these people? Maybe he thought Mimi was cute and he wanted to, like, yeah, you know, talk know. to her. I don't know. I it don't doesn't know. matter. Anyway, Sheridan and Jean-Luc are out at their country house, or at Jean-Luc's country house. Mm-hmm. When sh- they come in, Jean-Luc notices a picture of him and Mimi, and he yes. grabs it very quickly and mm-hmm. hides it. And also a terrible place to hide a picture in a frame, which is under a cushion of a seat of a yeah. Of someone's a gonna sit seat, on that and it's gonna crash. And then what's the, what, what, what is, is it on? Oh, it's, it's a oh, picture. Yeah, it's a picture of my boyfriend, my fiance, and his lover with another woman. Oh, yeah. and he's obviously hiding it. I mean, whatever. These two are dumb. They're so dumb. They're so dumb. And so Jean Luc tries to convince Sheridan to elope. And, of course, she agrees, saying how romantic and scandalous it would be. That's why she wants to do it. Yeah, she agrees. And I that really annoyed me so much. Me She's too. so desperate. She's so lame. That's why I don't like her. She has no... She has... 
she could have all the power in the world and she just refuses to take any. Mm-hmm. Right? Like she's a rich white woman in the world. She could take she she could do anything she wants. Yeah, from a powerful and, family. And instead, she's doing this yeah. and letting this man dictate to her and yeah. and clear, very clearly ignoring every sign imaginable. Mm. Well, and what a lame way to try and stick it to your family for years of neglect. Oh, well, this will... Though I'm really going to get them because this is A, romantic, and B, scandalous. And I'm going to do what I can to smear my family's name. But, like, just... I want to say, like, 40 seconds before that, she was talking about how she wanted to have the biggest wedding. She didn't care what the expense was. She was going to invite everyone. But at one mention of eloping... By this man, you, she's you on board. just on um, yeah, you're on board, and you just give up everything that you wanted. I just she's weak, and I don't. That's why I don't relate to her. She's so weak, mm. and I'm not saying I'm the strongest woman in the world, but she's she's pathetic, and yeah. I cannot relate. No. I I can't. I she is not even on my nerves anymore. Yeah. I just can't with her. I can't. Mm-mm. I and I this got real serious, but. <laughs> I mean, she's well, she's seriously terrible. So (laughs) there. So outside of the door, these goons are like lurking, and this man goes, "Oh, what a terrible tragedy it is that I have to kill this woman. Look how beautiful and happy she is." Right at the country house, Mm -hmm. he he. They go once they get to the country house. um, He's lurking and sees them inside kissing, and he does. He says, "She's so beautiful, and she looks so happy tonight." I what wish, kind of hitman talks like that? I wish people could see our faces right now. Yeah, I would. If, they are, if there's a sound that describes what we look like, it would be. Ugh. Mine is like. <laughs> my, my mother, my mother used to have, well, she still has a Pomeranian. It's a little teeny dog with tons of fur. And she had one when we were growing up named Teddy. And he used to make sounds like that. Like, if I went to pick him up, he would go, Like, literally sounds like that. Like, this is not an exaggeration. This thing was like, it was like a demon being exercised (laughs) from a little, like, seven-pound dog. Teddy and I have things in common. We have lots in common. Sheridan makes me make that sound. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so the the hitman is outside and then Jean-Luc and Sheridan I, we're gonna I'm gonna power through we're this. gonna power through so Jean-Luc I will say so Jean-Luc also sucks we know he sucks he's terrible he's sleeping with multiple women he's lying to both he's involved in like drug dealing he's owes money to scary people he's in like he's a bad dude and then on top of it he's an asshole because he tells Sheridan you know what I don't think you're tough or strong you're more like a little girl on the inside right and she seemed to like that yeah like that insult she seemed to like that insult she did i i don't again i can't relate to sheridan i don't get it I, she she just it's it's almost like she had that moment of oh, he really sees me girl we all see you we all see you we, we can all see, see how insecure you and pathetic are. you are yes. everybody can see it you wear it on your face yes. and it's one thing to say you know if he had been like you have a big heart you care about people, you're kind, you're conscientious. If he had said those things, then that would be a compliment. You know what I mean? Yeah. But to say you're not strong, you're not tough, you're just like a little girl, that... Uh, uh-uh. 
anyway, uh-uh. it sits really. I, it doesn't sit well. With it, me. No, it's gross. It, it, so Jean Luc has set up these elaborate candelabras in the bedroom, right? Giant candles that are lit, and so they're obviously about to make love. I guess Ugh. they go. Thank God that we didn't have to watch that. Thank <laughs> it's like a love scene God. I did not want to have. To I have through. never wanted to see people have sex <laughs> less. <laughs> Less. <laughs> and they're both attractive enough. I but I just hate them so much. I hate them so much. I don't the want them to have any joy. And I'm just I'm just like tired of them and over them. It's like stop giving them screen screen time. Yeah. Don't give them any more air. Oh. So they they have their little tryst or whatever and then they're in bed afterwards having their pillow talk and Sheridan again. I hate her so much. <laughs> She's just exasperating. Sheridan again says, This must have been the way Diana felt the night she died. <laughs> what? What is that? What kind of thing is that to say when you're like deliriously happy? So, to explain, she says, This must have been the way Diana felt the night she died. And um, she also says, I don't want to go to sleep because I have this feeling that. If I can live through this one night, my life won't end in tragedy. I mean, again with the Diana shit. You know what? This is the thing. I forget that it's only, it's the end of day two. Because when we started the show, she was mourning Diana. She's worried about the tunnel. This bitch was in a coma yesterday. <laughs> like, she's been through a lot she's in been the last through a lot. I forget that it's only been two days. So, like, in a way, I guess I can kind of see where she's coming yeah, from. Yeah, but, but, but it's as been a viewer, 11 episodes. But as a viewer, yes, it has been... A tremendous amount of time, and I am just as exasperated as Jean Luc was. Yeah, Jean Luc just, just let out a sigh. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, Every because time she spoke, she picks up a, or no, he picks up a picture of Sheridan, and she's standing there with like two kids in the picture, and she's like, "Oh, they're from an orphanage. I send them money. You know, I try to help out. I want to, you know, do good things in the world. Blah blah." And then she turns to him, almost it's a, as if it's a deal breaker, and I was like, "Is that okay?" What do you mean? Is it okay if you help the un- help unfortunate people who need assistance? Yes, of course that's fine. Yeah, why would that be a problem? Why would it be a problem yeah. that you give money to an orphanage? Yeah. Like, it'd be one thing if you these were your kids in this picture. And then that might be something you say, is it okay that I have these kids? And yeah. I haven't told you about these children that are mine? Right. But they're not her kids. They're no. just She just donates to an orphanage. Is it okay that I give to... Uh... If I give charitable donations, is that all right with you, or is that is it okay if I feed the hungry? Yeah, is that all right with you? Is that okay? Is I just don't want I, you to be upset with me. I hate her so much. And she and, also says mm-hmm. they're laying there, and she also says, "Well, Jean Luc, how many kids do you want to have?" Again, girl, it's up to you. First of all, <laughs> you are the one that has to have the children, right? Yeah. I mean, yes, you discuss it with you your husband. Ha- I want to have. That, do yeah. You, yeah, but. Uh, he doesn't get to tell you. <laughs> right. I mean, unless it's like, I want to have zero, and I right. want to have, have, have some. Kids, yeah, it's like a, do you want to, and if so, where where, where are we headed? It was just the way she, the way she it's said a, it, it was like she was looking to make sure that he was okay with the fact that she wants to have a, a bunch of kids. Everything that she does is a way for her to ask permission mm-hmm. of Jean-Luc. She's constantly seeking his validation. Constantly. And that is what's so irritating. She Oh god, I can't stand it. I can't it's stand so it. It's so irritating. So she 
he says, uh, I, I, you know, if you want to have kids, I want to have kids. Because <laughs> yeah. he doesn't care because he's trash. shit because he's and, just after her money and her name and, and her power. she says, how many kids do you want to have? And he says, however many kids you want to have. Because well, he doesn't care. And then she says, 12. 12. <laughs> she says she wants to have 12 kids. Why not make it a baker's dozen? Go for 13. 13. I mean, come what the hell? on. 12. And then she, do- she does say, well, I don't want to. I don't want to give birth to all 12, right. obviously. Like, uh, we, we could adopt some children mm-hmm. who nobody else wants, which is a weird way to say that about kids. Yeah. Something to say about kids. I've never cared for that type of phrasing. Children that no one wants. Yeah, that's... Uh, it's gross to me. Uh, anyway. So she talk, they talk about uh, having and adopting children. She wants to have 12 all together. And she says... Well, here's the thing, you know, the moment I get married, I get a huge <gasps> sum of money. I am now, I am then eligible right. to, uh, to uh, withdraw from my trust account, which is enormous. An enormous amount of money. He, he says, because he says to her, well, I would love to have as many children as you want to have, but remember, children are expensive. And she was like, who cares? Like, I, have, I have unlimited funds. Yeah. But here's the kicker. She says she has all of this money, and then, in the same breath, was like, I want to give it all away. Yeah, you probably think I'm crazy, but I want to give all of my money away. Girl, what? All of it. Uh, then how are you going to raise those 12 kids? Right. I don't get shit. And adopt. I mean, adopting is a, a lot of money. I don't I, get her. I don't like her. I, I just... She just is unreasonable. And again, she's, like you said, she's constantly seeking validation from the men around her. And she's weirdly, she was weirdly competitive about marriage with Gwen. Mm -hmm. She has no relationship with her family. She talks about how they ignored her, how she was alone in this huge mansion and didn't see people for days. It's like. Yeah. And she, remember, she pressured Ethan into proposing to Gwen, which we got to get to. Oh, yeah. We got that as a, yeah. But actually, we, let's finish with Sheridan and then we'll go there. Yeah. So anyway, we just we don't like Sheridan. Jean-Luc Even though sucks. we have talked about her for so long now, so long. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of story that happened. So yeah. anyway, they're doing all this bullshit on the inside, and outside, Mimi is on the war path. Yes, yeah, she's she in dr- her car she, driving. Yeah, she interviewed the waiter, got the location, got in her car, drove down. She's standing outside. She's like looking in the window, and then it pans over to a goon, one of the French, the evil French dudes goons. Mm-hmm. He's like, <laughs> this man is holding like I don't know. 21 sticks of dynamite in his hand. It was a, it was a cartoon dynamite <laughs> bomb. It was one of those bombs, if you ever played uh, Crash Bandicoot. Yes. Like, it was one of those kind of bombs <laughs> that on the, the racing. Yes. Crash Bandicoot racing that you could throw. It looked almost like little hot dog links that were, like, put together in, like, yes. a pyramid. And then you slap, like, a little... Timer. Like a timer on top of it. Like a kitchen timer. Yeah. Yeah, in, and in he was song. like he was like wrapping rope around it. Oh, it was so funny because that's how he's gonna kill them with a cartoon bomb. I mean, it'll do the job. Yeah, dynamite will do the job. What if it blows his hand up though? The man's a professional. Well, that's a good point. He, I'm sure he knows his cartoon dynamite. <laughs> I'm sure he is very yeah. well versed in you know C4. Yeah, that's the only thing I can dynamite. In I C4. mean, I've definitely heard that Wiley e. Coyote is the guy to go for. To go yeah. to when you uh, need a hit. Wild E. Coyote. It took me years to realize that he was like, why, his first name is Wild. His middle name is it starts with an E. And his last name is Coyote. This is news to me. Wild E. Coyote. Wild E. It's not like Wiley Coyote. I didn't know that. Yeah. You learn something new every, wow, every day. Wow, I learned something the new. The more you know. In quarantine. In quarantine. Wow. 
Yeah, so that's the end of them, That's right? the end of them. Thank that's God. the worst. But yeah, so we were saying that Sheridan pressured Ethan into proposing to Gwen, which takes us back to what's happening in Harmony at the at Carnival. At the Carnival! This endless Carnival. So at this Carnival, Ethan goes down on one knee in the middle of a crowd at this Carnival, which mm-hmm. is, if anybody proposed to me like this, I would immediately say no. Yeah, you don't get me. Mm, <laughs> you don't understand me as a person. At all. Anyway, he goes down on one knee. He And remember, Gwen has been pressuring him and pressuring him, and they've been having the same conversation for days now mm-hmm. about, it, it's presumably for months, probably yeah, for years. I would imagine this has been a conversation that's been going on for a while. So he goes down on one knee to propose to her, and Teresa happens to see this happening. Yeah, and at first she's all excited, and she's telling Miguel, she ran into her brother, She's telling him about the psychic reading from the fortune teller and how she's all excited. Her fantasy is back on. She's going to marry Ethan Crane. Then she looks over. turns. And sees him proposing to to another woman. Proposing to Gwen. And she lets out the most horrific scream. It was primal. It was primal. It was a primal scream. She screamed as if she was witnessing the most heinous murder. Like, she was it was almost blood curdling, mm-hmm. right? She screamed, which stopped Ethan and Gwen from continuing with their proposal. Yeah. Right? Like, she was far enough away that they didn't know who screamed, but you're in the middle of something really, really important. Yeah. And you just stop. And they stop and they're like, oh, that woman screamed. We have to go find out who yeah. it is and yeah. where it came from. Let's hey, go. Yeah. Gwen's like, that sounded like a woman scream. Let's go find out. Let's go see if we can help. Yeah, Gwen Girl. doesn't Gwen doesn't want to get engaged. She doesn't want Ethan to propose to her. She's looking for every reason to get out of there. I think she does <laughs> want him to propose Not to her. In this I, way. She just didn't want it like this. No. And uh, yeah, so they go off to find uh, whoever has screamed, right? Mm-hmm. And they then are in like a park yeah, away like a, from everybody. So a how, grassy how did you knoll. get this far from the carnival? You, sh- the person who screamed was 12 feet from you. Yeah. But also, they're on, like, the pier at the water, and then all of a sudden they're on a grassy knoll at a park with a bunch of, like, I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I don't have, know. I don't know what to say. I don't know. Why is the sky blue? Why is grass green? I don't know why people do the things they do. Why this is written this way. I don't know. I don't know it because it doesn't sense. make any sense. They have moved to a new location, and Ethan proposes again. <laughs> and again... Gwen falters. <laughs> yes, she does. She's stretching that response right on out. Yeah, so she still has not answered. Yeah, so we, we get to the end of the episode and we don't actually know what's gonna what stands between Gwen and Ethan. We right. don't we don't ever find out. But we do know that Teresa, as she's being comforted by um, her brother Miguel and Whitney, says that she's done with boys and may join a convent. Yeah, right. Okay, Teresa. You're right. So. Yes, but before Whitney finds Miguel and Teresa, she's actually talking with Sam and Grace. And she tells them that she did run into the fortune teller because they're they're on their way to go confront the fortune teller, Grace mm-hmm. and Sam. And they heard that Whitney was upset, and so they want to talk to her and get her input. And she doesn't really fess up. She doesn't really say what was happening. Except that the fortune teller was bad. Like, she got this, like, almost evil feeling from her. 
which is similar to what Eve told them earlier in this episode, too, mm -hmm. that she just didn't get a good feeling. She also didn't really fess up because CT or TC was yeah, there. Yeah, nobody's going to fess up to what yeah. was told to So them. she didn't want to no. say what was happening um, other than that she got a, a bad feeling. Yeah. And so Grace and Sam are on their way to confront right, so we need to, the fortune let, teller. Let's transition to mm -hmm. this point. Because the first thing we need to talk about before we talk about Grace and Sam is that Charity and Seeker went into the fortune teller's tent. Mm -hmm. Now, did that happen in the last episode or did it happen? They started to go in at the in the last episode, but they actually went in in this episode, right? They went in in this episode. Okay, yeah. So they went in the they went inside the tent and almost immediately tapped this green glowing ball, which was already acting crazy because she <laughs> and she didn't know what was going on, right? We just talked right. about that. She's she's scared. Timmy's scared, and then Seeker and Charity come in. And then this ball, like, shoots out a giant green light, and all of the objects inside of the tent start to levitate and swirl around the room. And Seeker is scared. Right. As she should be. Yes. Charity is like, Mom, look at all the great special effects. Girl, <laughs> what? You, you think this carnival, this, like, school carnival, has the effects of... Universal Studios? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. What's the, what's the, at Disney World, where you go in, is it the Haunted Mansion? The Haunted Mansion, Mansion. yeah, yes. the ghosts come and yeah. sit next to you. That's what this was. Like, that's the level that this was that you're finding at, like, your May Day Carnival at school. Yeah. You know, like, this, mm -hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't line up. It doesn't work. And so, Seeker really wants to get out of there. She's saying, no, Charity, we need to leave. I don't like this. I don't like this. And Charity's just like, Mom, look how amazing this is. This is so cool. She's oh. living for it. And there's green lights flashing around. There's trophies flying through the air. Timmy and Tabitha start to levitate. Yeah, yeah well, Timmy and, Timmy and Tabitha are terrified. Tabitha tries to leave. She's trying to leave. Right. She's like, let's get out of here. We, we got to get go. out of here. And then whatever the power is grabs her and pulls her up. Blings so her she can't get out. So then, then we find out that Grace and Sam have decided to go see the fortune teller. Right. So they're headed to the fortune teller's tent where all of this is going on, but they don't get there in this episode. Nope. Hopefully in the next episode. I assume by the time they get there, it'll everything will be done. I don't think Charity and what's her name won't be there. We I feel like we've got a long way to go until Grace and Seeker come face to face. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think so maybe. It does feel like they introduced like the twin content pretty early on. Like we you know what I mean, mm -hmm. but They've had a couple near misses, but yeah, they probably, yeah, probably another episode or so. I don't know. This episode was weird to me. It relied on a lot of flashbacks. There were a lot of flashbacks. This episode had so many flashbacks. And I, I think it's, I think you told me this when we first started watching the show, that the saying is that you can walk away from a soap opera for like a month and come back Absolutely. and be exactly in the same spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so with that in mind, I think they are going to have to stretch it out a little bit, and this is these mm -hmm. flashbacks must be how they do it. Again, I'm telling you, we could go, we could get right into days that has, which has been going on since like the '60s, mm -hmm. and we would we would be able to figure out within seven episodes what was going what's going on. But that's part of the addictive quality, right? Yeah, that I love soap operas. I this is fun. I mean, I'm really enjoying it. I just can't with Sheridan. I can't with Sheridan. I know we spent a lot of time talking about her today, but I just cannot. Mm. She, I, oh I need God. her to get better. I need her character to grow. Like, she, I just need more. I, mean, I need more dimension. I don't think she ever will. She's irritating. Yeah. 
I'm irritated just thinking about her. I feel bad for that actress who just has to say the same two lines. Oh, Oh, Diana. Diana. (laughs) That's all she talks. I mean, my life was so similar to hers. She's she's not. It's not great. All right. Good God. All right. Um. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Coming back for uh, episode number nine here. Yeah. Follow along. We have different. YouTube channels linked in the description for the episode, so you can also watch these episodes and you listen. Can, you too can be exasperated by Sheridan Crane. <laughs> and make sure that if you do follow a channel, or if you find a channel you like, subscribe, follow it for those people. Um, and then do the same for us. Please, if you're on Apple, it's especially helpful if you're on Apple. Please give us a five-star rating. If you're on any platform, please subscribe and review. Yeah. Um, it's really cool that we're... That we're doing this. Yeah. We're having fun. We hope you are too. I don't know how cool it is. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how cool it is, but it's fun. So, yeah, thanks for watching. I think it's super cool. You don't watch a podcast. It's super cool. Okay, girl. Yeah. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll be back on... Thursday. Thursday. Sunday and Thursday. Sundays and Thursdays. With double episodes. Write to us at passionspodcast at gmail.com if you want to. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Passions Podcast, and we will see you on the flip side. All right. You are my passion for life. That was not good. (laughs)